Welcome to Behind the Story, where we discover the story behind your favourite stories. My name is Lisa Renee from the Colab Press, and I'm also a contemporary romance author. And I'm Naomi Craig. I write historical fiction set in Bible times. So we had a pre-recorded interview um, with another biblical fiction author, Amanda Bedra. Um, she is in the UK, so it was nearly impossible to get all three of us on at the same time, but I had a lovely time chatting with her. Um, but before we plug into that, uh, be sure to subscribe uh, to our channel so you're made aware of all of our interviews. Because Usually our interviews have a giveaway. It's pretty awesome. So free book. Um, but before we get into that, Lisa, what are you working on? Okay, so this comes out February the 15th. 2023 uh but you guys might have been might be watching it down the track but at the present time I'm had a release recently uh for my series yeah Brielle and her man trap and uh that's been a lot of fun so received quite well I will mention I had to before I launched it officially I had two reviewers sort of suggest um because it's a novella and you're trying to pack it in sort of like in transition, they're like, oh, we want to see more of the relationship sort of thing. So uh, I'd already added a scene because my editor told me that. <laughs> and then I've gone and added another one. Um, and actually for this scene, I tried out uh, PseudoWrite. It's like an AI um, app. So what you can do is you can put some paragraphs and help it to do some prompts. So I just thought it is quite time consuming. It's not like... Um, it's not like a quicker way of writing, but I just thought I will just test out this AI thing. So you put in a paragraph and you might say um, you can customise it, make it more comedy or something like that. So I, I did that. So, for example, um, it gives you prompts and some of them are ridiculous and you can't use them, but um, but you can pick and choose some of it. So what, like I had a gym scene and like it will say um, other guy was working out with his dumbbells or something and then they suggested for comedy like a YMCA dance. So I thought, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll use that. That's good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, some authors are sort of like trying it out. It's not like you still have your own author voice and that, but if you do get stuck, it's sort of like a good thing to do prompts. And you can also like do um, like you might want to have more description or maybe sight or sound or metaphor so you can click what you want and it gives you some sort of ideas if you're sort of in a bit of a, a rut or um yeah but definitely you're still <laughs> the author and working with it it's sort of like my editor I might say oh funny metaphor here if you've got any ideas and she might come up with something yeah you know, so it's sort of like you're working with the team like oh, I might say to my critique group hey guys about this line or do you want to help me reword this or something so um yeah uh so yeah that's called pseudo right there's a lot of those kind of things out there but I thought I'd try it out um so that just uh made the scene a little bit fun it did take me a lot longer to do the scene <laughs> like I wrote it and then you put little things and just tweak it but it does you know just adds a little bit of more flavor to it very yeah. nice so okay. um yeah what about you Naomi what have you been up to well I just um sent over my first part of the New Testament over um to our friend Donna who I'm co-writing with so I'm glad to get that one done that one's about Ananias from Damascus. And that was really, um, really neat to watch or to, to watch him develop. And 
So I'm excited. The next one is about Barnabas. So I'm excited to read Donna's middle. So we have Donna has one um, character, Stephen, and that's a novella size. And then I have Ananias from Damascus. And then she has Tabitha, um, the lady who um, she was from Joppa and she sold dresses and Peter raised her from the dead. And then after Tabitha, then I have Barnabas. So better read Tabitha and uh, get working, get busy on, on Barnabas. So that'll be cool to get into his head. You know, I can see him already being like a helper, you know, like someone who's just always so willing to serve and help because he's known for um, kind of starting a movement. Like he sold his land mm -hmm. and gave it to the, the money to the church. So, and then everybody else wants to get in on, on in on that and like oh yeah well look at me and I can do that too okay and um, so yeah he's kind of like a helper like yeah always right. so always you you're editing each other's work as well like you're the we will editor. be mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and then um and then submitting to a critique group and get you guys this feedback so cool um yeah so it'll be it'll be fun it'll be a lot of fun yeah and so you're just playing it by ear and see how long it takes and then you'll set like a launch date or you've got a rough idea what you well so we've got a rough idea um we have it up in november um and then the reason why is because i wanted to get going on learning like the business side <clears throat> so I, I took amazon ads like five day course which is looks is a lot easier than i thought it was going to be um but apparently you don't start you shouldn't be running the ads 11 months beforehand so <laughs> After I learned some of that, I pushed pause and then I'll just have to get back into it, you know, around October or something. I guess that's a better time frame. So I thought I was, I thought I was going to be making a good choice there and it was still, I don't, I don't regret it, but it probably would have been better spent if I had just continued writing in that couple of weeks that I took off. So, <laughs> right. So did you, what were you advertising with to test it? Like your existing traditionally published books? No, so I've already got uh, my publisher has ads going on Rehab's Query. Um, I was actually putting ads on. We've already got our um, our cover um, oh. ready for and the numbers group. So the pre-order so, you're putting. Yeah, it was a pre-order. Yeah, so apparently that's not the right play, but I didn't know what I didn't know. So I well, some people do um, advertise pre-orders, but you know sometimes I guess it is a could be seen a bit of a waste because. A lot of people don't want to buy pre-order that far out. Um, right. Yeah. And if they're not familiar with you, like they're just a, uh, clicking around on Amazon. But it seems like you do have a very good niche, though, with yeah historical fiction and Bible times. <laughs> yeah, it's doing really well. Um, my Rahab's Courage has um, Amazon ads on it, and it's doing really well with the ads. Um, and then that is first of a series, technically. So then that leads into um, Ezekiel's song. Um, so I thought, Hey, you know, let's, let's figure out how this is working so I can, I can make it happen on my end too. You know, they've already, they've already got the work started and my name is a little bit more well-known. And again, uh, there's a very niche market for Bible, Bible novels. So, mm. um, you know, our friend that we've had on here, um, Katrina Hamill, she's doing really well with Amazon ads and her biblical fiction. So um so I was just like hey let's let's get involved with this but you know 
yeah. you have to take it. In anyway, order. it's good to practice while you're learning the course. Yeah, you had yeah that's what I was. Yeah. yeah, that was what my thought was, is I want to I wanna be practicing what I'm learning at the same time. So hopefully they'll have another one in October so I can relearn what I learned. And then, yeah. of course, the the market will have changed significantly in 11 months. So, yeah. And anyway, yeah. you got the ads start set up so you can just unpause them. You know, and yeah, but someone on. said um, one of the categories, and it might have been category, um, they, their advice was, you know, there's going to be a lot of change in the market. More books will come out so you can target those directly. Yeah. So you might have to do more of those. I'm like, okay. Yeah. But again, yeah, I didn't course, know what I did um, They like you to do lots of ads. <laughs> the Brian Cullen sort of strategy yeah. is a lot of ads. Yeah. Yeah. Which was fine. I mean, because I wasn't getting any, like I hadn't put any, it's not as scary as it seems because you don't they don't, don't spend your money ads. amazon doesn't spend your money. yeah <laughs> it takes off if you're right if you're not if you're not actually getting people's eyeballs on it then they're you're not spending money so it was it's a lot less intimidating than i thought it was going to be so yeah yeah facebook likes to spend your money and that's more dangerous um yeah that's why i've like handed mine over to some experts so they already know the targeting they've already got tested audiences and then uh, cool yeah, so that's happening this February. So we'll see. You can touch base in the month or two and see if I'm ready. How you go? <laughs> How exciting! All right. Well, do you want to introduce our guest? Yeah. Well, let's get right into our interview. This is Amanda Bedsra. Amanda is a prayer minister, an inspirational speaker, and an NHS professional. She's passionate about seeing people restored and living a full life beyond salvation. She's written several books, including two biblical novels, Leah, Unnoticed, Unwanted, and Unloved, and Becoming Queen Bathsheba. Amanda, thanks for joining me on Behind the Story. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the show today. Yes, absolutely. So for those who aren't familiar with you, tell us about you and what you write. So um, my name is Amanda, as you've already introduced me. I, I live in the UK. I live in what is called the Garden of England, um, sunny side Kent. It's not always sunny. Sometimes it's rain and the weather is horrible at the moment. I'm married with three beautiful children and I am a Christian author. So I predominantly write Christian books. Um, in the last few years, I've been writing Bible fiction novels. Um, but before that, I have um, a few other books that are centered around empowering women um, my first book being my autobiography, my story titled The Love That Set Me Free. And then since then, um, I've written a few books and designed a few journals. Um, so, yeah, that's a bit about me. I work in the National Health Service as um, a senior manager, and I, I really enjoy doing that. But my heart and my passion has always been um, spreading the, lo the love and the word of Jesus through through writing and through speaking and some of the other things that he's given me the privilege to be able to do. Excellent. I love hearing that. So we are featuring your latest book, Becoming Queen Bathsheba. Bathsheba is taken against her will by the most powerful man in Israel. A month later, she discovers she carries the evidence of their secret dangerous encounter. With her husband at war, this pregnancy could mean her death or untold greatness. When the king finds out she's with child, he immediately summons her husband home for more a cunning plan in mind. So what is what sparked the story of becoming Queen Bathsheba? 
Well, I can use the cliche and say God said so. <laughs> that, that wouldn't that wouldn't be a lie because he he gave me the grace to write the novel. And I have read it so many times myself and I still marvel at it. I'm like, who wrote this? Um, knowing fully well that I was just a typist in his hand. So he poured in and I poured out. However, it's a story that had mixed feelings for many, many years. Um, as, as a Christian, you know, I've been a Christian all my life. I was born into a Christian family and I grew up in church hearing this story, but always hearing it from one point of view. The point of view that describes it um, as an affair or adultery or in some sort um, but Sheba is complicit to what happened after all she was the woman who was bathing outside naked isn't it and so more I, I heard this story and as I grew and as I matured in the word of God it led me to start asking myself some fundamental questions, which led me to dig deeper into the word. Um, so some of the questions that, that that I asked myself is things like, how would she have known David was not at war? Because, you know, Second Samuel, it starts with that bit at a time when kings should have been at war. So how would she have known, you know? How would she have even known when he was going to be on the roof to, to, to make that the grand appearance of her coming out to bathe. You know, there was no social media at that time. It's not like somebody was sending her a text message to say, hurry up, the king is coming out, you know. And what would have been the benefits to her as, as a married woman to have been in that kind of affair? You know, if she was single, maybe she might want to be the king's concubine. But as a married woman, at a time when adultery would have been punishable by death, I just couldn't see the benefit. And... Again, what right would she have had to refuse the king, you know, to say no to him at a time where we even see from the story of Esther, she, she couldn't even go to her own husband unannounced. At a time where we see women being dethroned like Vashti for refusing the king. And so some of these questions started to play in my mind. And I, I really felt like I wanted to tell the story, but to tell it from the perspective that I was beginning to read into. But the one thing that really sat on my mind, I must share um, with you is, I asked myself, why didn't God punish her? You know, because God is a God, we see that in the Bible, he doesn't withhold judgment from when it's due. So when we think about Adam and Eve, God punished Eve as well as he punished Adam. But then we think about David and Bathsheba, Nathan came and he gave a pronouncement that was just David's alone. So. I asked all these questions and they, they, they felt very unanswered to me. And I started digging and I started praying and I said, you know, there's a bit more to this story. Most importantly, I wanted to tell a story that would be relevant to many women today. Mm -hmm. um, even today, we see that there are women who still suffer an abuse of power. You've got this powerful man that takes advantage of this woman. And what does that look like? And being able to tell this story in the way that God has given me the grace to tell it, um, I, I hope that it's, it really is a story of hope. It's a piece of encouragement. It talks about forgiveness and justice and so many good things, but it also is a story of beauty from ashes. And yeah, that that's kind of what made me write it. Wow, that's beautiful. It seems like the Lord just really met you there too, as you're digging into all these questions. <clears throat> um, so you've got some fantastic reviews on Amazon. Patricia says, not your average David and Bathsheba. 
Uh, and Kay says, this is a beautiful story of pain, suffering, love, and redemption. Do these readers, do you feel like they kind of caught the vision of the book? They absolutely did. What I've come to realize, um, not just from the reviews from Amazon, but the, the women and the other people that God has given me the privilege to get feedback and get reviews either in person or over social media, direct messages, and that is the story means something different to everybody. For some people, they find themselves in David in the story. For some people, they find themselves in Bathsheba in the story. For some people, they've even find them, they've even found themselves in some of the supporting characters in the book. And that means a lot. But the essence of people going back to read the Bible for them for themselves, that is at the heart of what Bible fiction is for me. To have a story that people are like, what's in the Bible and what's not in the Bible? What's real and what's not real? You know. I need to go and read the Bible for myself. I never saw the story from that perspective. That is just the thing that captures my heart more than anything else, that I can make a book that was written over 2,000 years ago, not change it, but bring it in a way that is relevant, is relatable, and people can find themselves in the stories and find themselves in the Bible that shows us that God's word is still for us even today. And yes, the reviews absolutely capture that. And I love that about um, biblical fiction is because the word of God is alive and it does speak to you even today. And I, I, I just love how biblical fiction will give you a glimpse of the culture surrounding it or why did this person make this decision? And it just is like, they're real people and not just a name on, yeah. you know, in a chapter it's it's the real people and they're really trying to honor god or maybe they're not but the lord's using them and just like you and me so i love that so what do you um tell me some about bathsheba's strengths and quirks as you see him as you wrote them into becoming queen bathsheba um oh gosh do you know that's a that's a really really good question because as i was writing and because of the way i've written the book i've written the book in first person so it almost felt like i was interacting with her and telling her story and really bringing her to life so i felt her strength i felt her her resilience um but even that heart of forgiveness is mm -hmm. something that really really came through but she's a powerful woman, you know, not just from the way that I've written the story, but even what the Bible tells us about her. You, you, you think about, you know, 1 Kings 2.19 that tells us that Bathsheba goes to her son Solomon, he's king now, um, and she's speaking to him about, you know, Adonijah, his brother that wants to do something funny and marry his father's concubine. But then the Bible tells us that Solomon stands up to meet her. He bows down and mm -hmm. sits her on a throne right next to her. Now that is a powerful woman. I don't see many women in the Bible that are celebrated in that way. Definitely not many queen mothers, but she was a powerful, powerful woman. So with everything that she's had to go through and everything that she's had to endure, there's that strength that comes through her. There's that resilience that comes through her. And there's that, um, you know, that God of second chance, you really see that coming through in the story. In terms of quirks, I've tried to humanize her as much as possible. You know, like you were saying earlier, Naomi, these are human beings like me, like you. Yes, it's mm. 2000 years ago, but they still had feelings. They had emotions. They were funny. You know, there are some bits in the book that are deliberately funny. And um, it's it was just my way of saying, 
she's a real person. And I, you know, I hope that I successfully did that in that book, Love but it. yes, she's a real, she's a real person and we can find ourselves in her. And her son Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. So why Absolutely. wouldn't they have the same, <laughs> the same life that we've gone through? <laughs> um, excellent. So if you're watching this, uh, tell me what Bible fiction book have you read that has sent you back to the Bible? So you can dig in. Is this really how it happened? Comment below. Let us know um, which biblical novel has sent you back to the Bible and you've gotten a deeper understanding of God's word. Um, excellent. So what would be something people would be surprised to learn about you, Amanda? Do you know, you ask really good questions. <laughs> um, I think that even, even some people that really know me, it still shocks them when they discover that I'm such an introvert. Um, I am, I'm a personal person as, as outgoing as I can be, um, because of the work that I do and, you know, the ministry that God has blessed me with, I really enjoy being by myself. I draw strength from within. I, I can be quite shy. And so I can be in a room full of people and I'm like, oh Lord, ground open up and swallow me now. <laughs> um, it, it doesn't always come across, but yes, I'm such, I'm such, such, such an introvert is unreal. Oh, how funny. So what about that's? I think that's kind of a common thread for majority of authors. I think there's some that are, that are more uh, bubbly and need that interaction, but I think I feel like that's kind of like a common trait of authors. Have you noticed that? I think so. I think there's something about, you know, being an author and having a personality that makes, that means that you can be loud through your writing. Right. Quiet in real life. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, you're right. It's it's just something about creatives, isn't it? I can be very, I can be all out when I'm writing. Yeah. But in my day-to-day -day life, just leave me with a book somewhere and yeah. some music in the background and I'm all right. I'm okay. Don't talk to me. I'm reading. Don't talk to me. No, <laughs> Do you know, actually there are times that I go out for an event or something. And I honestly, I need hours to recover. Mm -hmm. I, I need, I just need to, to recover from too many people. Um, but yeah, oh gosh, I, I laugh at myself sometimes. God, God is doing a good work in me. He's helping me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give you the grace for the moment. Yeah. <laughs> So what's your process as you sit down and you have this book idea? What's your process for your writing, biblical fiction specifically? Um, with biblical fiction, I think that I have learned to start in a place of prayer and fasting. And I say that because when you're writing a story about the Bible, you are writing God's word and you need to handle it with the utmost care and respect. Mm -hmm. I, when, when God put it on my heart to start writing people, um, Bible-based fiction, I made a commitment to myself and to God that I would not change his words. I would use everything in the Bible and then some and not ever take anything out of it. And I feel like to do that and do that effectively, there has to be a time of sacrifice in prayer, a time of fasting, a time of leaning on him completely because it's his word. And the last thing I ever want to do as an author is to desecrate something that I consider to be very holy. And so each time I'm going to write 
or even think about writing um, a story in the Bible, I have to, I always have to be in that place of prayer because God is the one that's going to have to do it through me. It's not one of those ones that I can exercise my gift. Um, you know, I've got the gift of writing. Yes, I can write anything, anytime, anywhere. But when it comes to God's word, I I want the anointing of it, um, of the Holy Spirit to be on it so that people can encounter it. Because for some people, the reality is for some people, the the the, bi the biblical fiction novel will be the first Bible that they might ever read. That's true. And so it has to honor God's word to the extent that when they do have the opportunity to read the Bible for themselves, there's not much of a difference. They can still see the relevance. And if for whatever reason, they never get the opportunity to read the Bible, either because they are not Christians yet, or for whatever weird reason, it just never happens for them. There's enough in the Bible that makes them feel like they've had an encounter with God. Mm. And so that. it always has to be that place of prayer uh, and fasting and then research as well. Um, I, you know, as a Bible author yourself, you, you, we know that we are writing about people that existed within a certain time. So there's a lot that history tells us about mm -hmm. the kind of lives that they lived, you know, um, the places that they lived, because as much as possible, you want to make it historically accurate so people can go back in time and um, get a feel of culture, get a feel of um, the way they dressed, the way they spoke, the, the way that they lived their lives to bring some authenticity into the book. And so I, I spend a lot of time researching. I try not to read other books about the issue because there's a fine line between writing an authentic story and writing somebody else's interpretation of a story. Um, except of course, it's a book that I've read many years ago and then you know there's nothing I can do about it. But I trust God to give me my own unique voice, um, even if I'm telling the story that has been told so many times, like, you know, your book, uh, when I read Rahab's Courage, there's so many other books about Rahab, right. but you brought your own unique spin to it, which was quite authentic, and that was really, really good, and so I want to be that kind of author, that I can tell the same story, but tell it in a unique way, because I'm trusting the grace of God to give me a different dynamic in a way that it will still entertain people. I mean, how many Cinderella stories have we read or have watched? And each time, it's still a Cinderella story, That's right? That's true. Yeah, it's like but our tropes are the people, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so that, that's the process. It really is prayer, fasting, research, then writing. I love it. I love it. So you also, um, if you will get involved on Amanda's website, you'll find that she's got tons going on with Empower a Woman, and she's got tons of stuff happening. Tell me a little bit about that ministry. Empower a Woman, wow, that's that's um, a gift that God gave me as a ministry that started in 2014. Um, actually, I had been doing some work with women before then, um, but it was in 2014 that I set it up as a nonprofit organization. And it's the funniest thing in the world because when God gave me a vision for Empower Woman, I really thought that it was going to be, um, it was going to be more than what it is. So basically, I have an organization that is set up to give free gifts to women that would not normally get gifts um, and children. Hmm. And sometimes I talk about it and it sounds crazy to me, like who sets up an organization to just give gifts? But... In the midst of that, I've seen the faithfulness of God. I've seen 
how God can use a simple gift to speak worth and to speak life and to bring transformation into women that are in prison. So most of the gifts that we give go to women that are incarcerated, as Americans mm -hmm. will say, women that are in prison, as, as we will right. say in the UK. Um, most of the gifts will go to women that are homeless, women that are in shelters, fleeing domestic abuse. Uh, most of the gifts will go to widows. So women that would not normally get gifts. And there is so there's something so special about being able to communicate the love of God to women that would never, you know, they might never know who I am or who the ministry is. It's not a gift that people come back to say thank you to, but it's something that says you're valuable. Mm. We're thinking about you, regardless of who you are or what you've done. Here is something that says you are loved by God. And it is, I get emotional thinking about it. It is so powerful. As simple as it sounds, as an organization that gives free gifts, it's the impact and the message that the gift carries that um, has been quite profound in some cases, um, life-changing for some people, particularly people that already feel, um, you know, like they've done the worst thing in the world. And then on Christmas Day, they get a gift that says you're loved. Mm. You know, it, it tell me if that isn't if that isn't God. And so every year he has a, a beautiful way of providing the resources to be able to fund this work and and gift these gifts to the daughters that he loves so dearly. And I'm just so humbled that I have the privilege to serve in this way. I love that because I really feel like just hearing you talk about becoming Queen Bathsheba and the reviews I've heard about your Leah um, story, I really feel that that kind of comes through, that heart for the women kind of comes through into your writing. Um, and you're you're showing that this woman is seen and loved, even though she's in the midst of this horrible scandal or whatever, you know, but the Lord still loves her and sees her right where she's at. I, I hear that coming through in all of all areas of your life. And that's really beautiful. So did you did the Lord teach you specifically a lesson as you're writing the Queen becoming Queen Bathsheba? Um yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. There were some times that it was there were some times that it was a difficult story to write. Um for me, there was a part of it that was healing. Um, because personally I've endured an abuse of power. Um, in my own life, I was sexually abused as a child. And so there's a part of that, of writing that story that was healing for me as well. But God also taught me the importance of forgiveness. And it's it's the, it's the biggest theme. If there was a theme that was going to come out of that book, it would be forgiveness. That, you know, there's power in forgiving people that have hurt us, but there's also power in forgiving ourselves. I loved to see David's repentant heart, you know, the acknowledgement of his sin, the deep repentance that we see even in Psalm 51, um, that reminder that we are all a work in progress and we need grace. I loved to write the forgiveness between Bathsheba and David. And I'm not going to spoil it for people that are going to read it, but that bit of her forgiving him and then forgiving him and forgiving him a third time. Um, and in terms of two key lessons, I will just share two key lessons that I've learned. One, what God showed me, even from the beginning of the book, is the importance of being where we need to be. 
you know, the, I said at the beginning that the first issue that David had was he was at home when kings should have been at war. And right. there's something that happens when we are in the wrong place at the right time. It always opens the door for disaster. So even in my own life, I keep saying to God, help me to always be where I'm supposed to be, to do what I'm supposed to be right. doing. And the second thing is consequences. Whilst we serve a God that forgives, it doesn't erase the consequences. We still have to endure the consequences of our sins. And so we really need to be careful the things that we do and the impact that it would not have, it would have not just on our lives, but the lives of the people that we love. And we see that in the story of David. We mm -hmm. see even, you know, chapter 13, what happens to his daughter Tamar being raped as well by her own brother. We see that in his lineage with, you know, his wives being brought out and defiled and it was his sin, but the consequences impacted his whole family. Right. And that's just a reminder to me that we need to be careful about the things that we do, because it might not impact us personally, but it might impact the people around us. And we just have to remember that. And so those were the things that I learned whilst I was mm -hmm. writing the book personally. That's good. Yeah. The Lord does not take sin lightly. Um, I think we kind of, we don't see an immediate consequence. And so we can kind of forget that part of his justice but it's so important that's a really good point so what are you working on now what's coming up next for you so i'm currently writing another bible fiction novel Yay. um i'm i'm really excited about it because when when i wrote i wrote leah leah's my first um, novel and then i wrote becoming queen Bathsheba, and i thought that that was it i was going to go back into you know, writing nonfiction, or even if I was going to write fiction, I was going to do something totally different. But then God opened up my heart to write in a Becoming series, which means that Becoming Queen Bathsheba is book one. And so I'm doing book two, and there's going to be a book three. And um, they're themes. So the first theme is forgiveness, and then I've got kindness, and then the last book will be courage. So I'm right in the middle of writing um um, another woman in the Bible. It's another love story. It's another beauty from Ash's story. Okay. Um, and a woman that is so loved by many people that I, I feel intimidated writing. And I don't know about you, Naomi. Do you ever get to that point where you're writing a book and you're you're like, this is rubbish. I know I'm writing yeah. rubbish. I know that <laughs> yeah. this doesn't make sense. I know. So I'm, I'm kind of at that stage where I'm oh, trying no. to convince myself that it makes sense. But I'm 15,000 words, well, almost 15,000 words in. So I've made progress. Um, I just need to get out of my own way and allow yep. God to to do what he wants to do. That's funny. Yeah, totally, I think everyone can relate to that. That is, <laughs> why am I even doing this? Oh, excellent. Uh, well, where can the readers find you online, Amanda? So I am... Um, social media platforms i'm active on facebook and instagram and it's just my full name amanda bedra and you can find me um i'm on twitter as well but i don't use twitter as much as i do facebook and instagram um and i love hearing from readers so please do get in touch contact me via my um you know dms and you can also reach me on my website amandabedra.com um i enjoy being part of book clubs and bible studies and all those wonderful things that i've had the privilege of sharing my books with um with other women so you know please do get in touch um let me know how the books have impacted your life or how this particular book i hope you get to read it has impacted your life and i really just look forward to connecting with my readers excellent so we will have 
her website in the link below. Be sure to click on that. And thank you so much for joining us today, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me today. Remember to connect with Amanda. We'll have her website down below in the show notes. Um, and she is offering, it's a really great deal. There's two winners. One is a paperback of Queen, Becoming Queen Bathsheba. And the other one is a digital copy. And she's willing to ship them anywhere in the world. So this is open to everybody for both. Um, and yeah, be sure to do that. It's a King Sumo. Be really simple. All you do is enter your email. So we have a way to contact you if you are our, one of our winners. Excellent. And as co-hosts, we always give a freebie. Uh, Naomi has a historical fiction written in Bible times called On Desolate Heights. So the link will be in the show notes. It's a free novella. And I have a sweet, clean rom-com, Christian rom-com called Fake Engagement Mistake. And you can get that in the audiobook if you'd like. So that's our websites. Uh, but also make sure you do subscribe because there's always giveaways and we've got some more great interviews coming up soon. Mm -hmm. We do. We've got a great lineup. We're filling up our calendar for the year and we've got some um, great um, coming back and first time guests. We've got Tabitha Bolden coming up and Jill Eileen Smith, who writes biblical fiction. We've got lots of good things happening this spring. Um, be sure to subscribe and follow us so you are aware of all of these awesome authors and their great books as they come out. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Behind the Story. Until next time, let us run this race with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Thanks for joining us.